Your body's trying to tell you something. It's giving you hints that something isn't right. That's why we talk with expert dietitians to break down these early warning signs so you can get closer to understanding what your body is trying to tell you. Do you have stomach pain that just doesn't go away? You've tried different diets, different foods, exercising, but yet your stomach still feels like it's twisting and turning? With a symptom like stomach pain, it can be so many things, but a common overlooked root cause is simply just stress. On today's episode of Wonder Why, Robin Goldberg, a registered dietitian, shares with us a story of a man, no matter what he ate, would have stomach discomfort. His journey led him to a doctor who recommended antibiotics, which cured the bad bacteria in his gut, but eventually the same stomach pain returned. Robin, for the last 25 years, has developed her own private practice in Los Angeles, California, where she specializes in medical conditions, disordered eating, eating disorders, health at every size, pre-pregnancy nutrition, and people in recovery. She is a contributing author and is a nationally and internationally known registered dietitian nutritionist. She has been quoted in over a dozen publications and has appeared on national television as the eating disorder expert on The Insider. Robin is the author of the book, The Eating Disorder Trap, a guide for clinicians and loved ones, co-author of online course, Your Recovery Resource, and the host of the podcast, The Eating Disorder Trap. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much for having me, Julian. Absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Are you ready to get started? Ready to rock and roll. Awesome. So we're really excited to bring you on the show today to talk about a patient story that you're going to be sharing. And before we get into that patient story, I wanted to kind of hear a little bit about you is what are some potential root causes for chronic stomach pain, inability to eat? What are some of these root causes that happen? Well, that's like walking down a road with so many detours that one can take. Julian, I mean, gastrointestinal distress, I mean, for some people, there's, we, don't, we, have to, we can't ignore their genetics and their family history. I think for many people that I see stress, they're under a significant amount of stress, whether it's professionally, personally, perhaps like we all have a weak point in our body. Some people throw their backs out, others get headaches, others it's their stomach, others it's all the above and such. And I think when we're younger, Oftentimes, or even kids I see, like an individual can like push through it, but oftentimes it gets to a point where it's like unbearable, they are seeking support and treatment, and sometimes it could be their diet, but I think, you know, with a lot of the folks that I see, oftentimes the gastrointestinal discomfort they experience results in the fear of eating because they're afraid when they're eating any food that they're going to have a stomach ache, that they're going to be bearing over, they won't be able to get up, they won't know how to handle it. Others, it could be the repetition of certain foods that are just harder on our stomach to to break down. I mean, this is such a, a fully loaded question. There's many variables. But I think too, like with some of the clients I see that are very young and have chronic stomach problems, Sometimes, I mean, it could be really like they've lost a significant amount of weight. They're at a body weight where their body is just not naturally meant to be at. And that heightens constipation, stomach aches, lack of interest or desire to eat or lack of awareness about their hunger signals. 
And it just spirals into then many other factors that they're experiencing. It sounds like, to your point, there's so many paths to this. You mentioned genetics, you mentioned diet. I think for people listening, what are some common things that they can do to avoid that you hear about that people are potentially doing? Well, avoid, I mean, and we hear this all the time, like how to manage our stress. Like we all have stress. It's just how we absorb it, what we do with it. And sometimes it's like, well, you know what? My career is high stress and pressure and I thrive on it and I excel the more stress and pressure that there is. So to tell someone like to get rid of stress, I would say learning how to manage it, whether it's taking up regular meditation or breath work or journaling or seeking therapy, going on a walk, like whatever can get you into a more relaxed, calm state. So when the stress or anxiety levels are heightened, you have some tools in your toolbox that you can turn to and say, oh yeah, you know what? I like to brush my dog. That helps to calm me down. Or when I'm at the office, I find I'm just going to stand up and go for a walk outside and get some fresh air, or I'm going to call a friend, or I'm going to reach out to my partner. I think it's being able to me, the emotional status, and I talk about this with my clients all the time, is such a critical part in learning how to manage because you can eat foods that don't cause gastrointestinal distress. And if you appear calm, cool, and collective on the outside, but you internalize it, then you might find your stomach's not feeling as pleasant as you would like it to. You know, usually we hear, hey, you shouldn't having processed foods. You should stay away from smoking. You should stay away from drinking. You should stay away from maybe these things that are irritating you. But you're bringing in a really interesting point. You're bringing in this stress. What level of connection, in your professional opinion, is stress connected to the gut? 150%, Julian. I mean, especially when I have clients that, come to me and they have had every test run on them and they've done upper GIs, lower GIs, endoscopies, barium. So, I mean, everything. And then they'll say to their doctor, it'll come from one of two ways. They'll say to their doctor, like, oh, I'd like to speak with a registered dietitian. Or their doctor will say, have you considered reassessing your diet? And then that's oftentimes how I'm brought into the picture. But I think the emotional part of this is so critical. And, you know, I have clients that are like, oh my God, she's asking me about breathing and what do I do to like slow down and how do I manage stomach discomfort? It's, you know, easy for someone to say, eat this, don't eat that, but to really do an internal inventory within takes a lot of work and practice and patience. I could only imagine. So there's a story that you were talking about earlier in the pre-show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So a client that I thought was particularly interesting that I still see, he actually had his internist refer him to a gastroenterologist because he was having stomach pains over basically everything that he was eating. And I think it's common these days, and you and I have discussed this, that gastrointestinal doctors gastroenterologists will rule a patient out for SIBO, small intestine bacteria overgrowth. And so ironically, this client had been positive with SIBO and he was trying to make changes his way and like everything was bothering him. And then the doctor 
dug a little deeper and it came up that he has actually H. pylori. Heard you mention that earlier on. So, you know, this client has been on so many different antibiotics and he's been with me for about three months and we had started to make changes and like some things work, some things didn't work. And ironically, I spoke with him the other day and I was like, how are you doing? And I was like, Robin, I can't believe it. Everything you spoke about the last time, he's like, none of it bothers me. And I decided to take myself off of, I don't remember, a particular medication. And it ends up like this other medication has been the culprit for the reasons why he cannot eat anything. And as a byproduct, his gastrointestinal symptoms became worse because he became fearful of eating in general, every food. And when he would try something, it was in very small quantities and it resulted in him losing a significant amount of weight. So that could also increase the gastrointestinal distress that a person would experience when you're physically at a place where your body is not naturally meant to be at too. So it's not every day someone will have like two things that their doctor is trying to manage. I've noticed this just in my own journey that these doctors are specialists and they kind of stay in their own lane and they don't look at the patient as a whole. And my experience with my dietitian actually has been an incredible journey because she's looked at me as a patient as a whole and she's caught some things. So that sounds incredible catching that. How did he come to the conclusion to stop taking the second medication? Well, his doctor had told him, you know, you could stop this medication. It's really not helpful at this point anymore. This one could, but he basically put all these ideas out there. And my client said to me, he was like, Robin, I was reading online, which I think Dr. Google has its pros and cons. And he's like, I just decided to stop taking this one particular medication. And so I had spoken to him ironically, it was like three weeks later. So it was enough time for it to essentially leave his system. It wasn't coincidental. It was like a little over two weeks did it soon after our session. And it was like, I was speaking to a different person. It's almost sounds like you're a little bit more of a therapist than a dietitian in this case. Well, I'm a nutrition therapist. I mean, any person that works with disordered eating and eating disorders as a nutrition therapist, they help clients connect their feelings around food. So when I'm seeing people for medical nutrition therapy, I'm always a nutrition therapist because it's your mind, body, and soul connection. You can't separate one without the other. So if there's someone who's listening to the episode right now and they're in maybe chronic stomach pain, they have the inability to eat, there's some GI issues going on, where, to your point, there's so many places to go with it that is a root cause. Where do you think they should begin to start exploring what is the problem? I think always going to your internist, which is your primary medicine doctor, have them evaluate you and then get a referral for a gastroenterologist. I have spoken to many people, Julian, that will start with me and I'll say, oh, who's your gastroenterologist? And they'll say, I don't have one. Say, well, I think you're one step ahead. It's really important to be assessed and have an actual diagnosis so I can be the most effective for you that I possibly can be. 
So you mentioned going to your internist. Do you go there and say, hey, I want a referral to a GI doctor? Do you just explain to them symptoms that you're having? How do you go about having that conversation with your internist? It's funny because I'm having my husband do this right now, actually. (laughs) So being able, I mean, your internist is essentially your quarterback, the person who oversees and refers you to different specialists to tell them what's going on, what you're experiencing. I mean, I feel like I literally write him notes and say, like, this is what you need to do, what you need to say, and who you need to see. Because I think the average person, like you're describing, Julie, might not know. And and I think, too, part of the time I've seen many internists want to handle it all versus referring out. So I think it's being direct, not feeling, oh, I'm going to offend my doctor. Like, if they're offended, they're in the wrong profession. Like, They are the quarterback, but then you have this position and the referee. You have all these positions under the quarterback, and that's essentially it. Like your internist is the captain of your ship, but then you have, oh, I have the cruise director. I have the bartender. I have the activities planner. And to be able to say, this is what's going on. But yes, I would like a consultation with a gastroenterologist, someone that lives and breathes guts all day long. And then using your analogy of of a sports team, a quarterback or a captain of the team, I think the patient is the owner of the team, right? 100%. And and they have to do high-level big decisions that are for the best for the team, right? That might mean trading your quarterback. That might mean trading uh, another doctor or seeing a second opinion. And, And we see that I've seen that a lot personally. I'm going to go for shoulder injury. And I'm seeing two doctors who are claiming two different things. So uh, exactly. I was going to say, Julian, it's common, of course, to get a second opinion, but in healthcare, it's discussed. You don't normally get more than three opinions because actually my husband had this too for a frozen shoulder and the two different guys had different opinions. So then he went to the third and was like, okay, so Yes, it's it's very confusing when you're getting different assessments. And there might be a time that you'll say, okay, you know what? My internist has been wonderful and they've served a purpose for me. But like, I think I'm wanting this now in an internist. Like you learn from each medical experience in regards to what you're wanting in a provider. So as you say, to fire the owner of the team or tr- it's like, People change all the time. Sometimes it's insurance related. Other times it's um, personality wise. It's they might like their doctor, but there's poor follow through with the office staff. I mean, there's so many factors. And especially over COVID, medical practices have been very, very busy. So the turnaround time and follow through is much slower than it had been in the past. You bring up insurance, and it's an interesting part because this is part of the experience of of going through this. You, what you say to your doctor, um, what you don't tell your doctor, what tests are covered, what tests are not covered. Do you have any words of wisdom as someone's navigating the doctors, the specialists, the dietitian, and the insurance company all at the same time? Well, I think insurance is very challenging. I like to say my PPO is for catastrophic. But unfortunately, I feel like most providers I see, I pay out of pocket. And not to say there aren't solid clinicians that accept insurance, but more and more of them are dropping insurances or completely out of pocket. And it's the whole 
let me get a super bill with the appropriate ICD-10 code so I can submit it. And if anything, it goes towards your deductible. It, it is very challenging. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Very excited that we got to speak with you and we hope to publish this episode soon. Thank you very much for having me. It was enjoyable. Thank you for tuning into the Wonder Why podcast. If today's episode resonated with you or reminded you of someone struggling with similar symptoms, please share it with them. It might just be the life-changing moment they need. This show is brought to you by Dietitians for a Healthy America, a nonprofit dedicated to advocating for dietitians and promoting nutritional therapy to enhance health and prevent diseases for all Americans. For more information, visit our website, www.dietitianshealthieramerica.org. Until next time, stay curious and empowered in your health journey.